and welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land. That's the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, the Internet's premier free resource for all things Ohio State athletics and news. I am your intrepid host, Matt Brown. I am the site's managing editor. I am also the co- one of the college league managers here for SBNation.com. Uh, I am recording this show. Excuse me. We are recording this show here on Thursday, January 5th. So you'll probably get this on Friday right before the weekend. Uh, it, it's been a minute thanks to uh, traveling and that, that's basically the excuse. That's okay. There's a bunch of other Ohio State podcasts. I'm sure you've been able to handle your commutes here for the past couple of days. Um, I'm joined as always or as regularly by my colleague and co-host, Mr. Colton Denning. And, and Colton, um, there's been a hell of a lot of Ohio State news recently. Yeah, and certainly it's been good given what happened on New Year's Eve. So good that we don't have to spend any of our time focusing on the game. Yeah, I, 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 I think we had originally planned to do a post-game podcast, but now it's been a couple of days. I, I think we've read what we wanted to read and say what we wanted to be said. So we'll just quickly devote the amount of time on the actual Fiesta Bowl. We'll spend as many minutes talking about it as Ohio State scored points. Matt, my, my big takeaway from the game was I literally was drinking tequila out of the bottle by halftime. So That's pretty good. If you want to know how my New Year's Eve went, there you go. Yeah, my yeah, great, great, great New Year's, great New Year's Eve. Um, so let's not, let's not talk about that. Let's instead talk about some of these other things that have happened over the last week. And this is always dangerous to talk about breaking news-ish kind of things uh, in a podcast because there's a decent chance by the time you are listening to this, all of this is outdated. Um, great, neat, neat medium here, compelling content. Let's talk first about Ohio State's coaching transitions. Uh, after Ohio State struggled mightily on offense, not just in the Fiesta Bowl, although that was the most glaring uh, example, I think, but really kind of sputtered over the last two years, it became pretty clear that there were going to have to be some changes. Uh, Urban Meyer doesn't exactly fire people. Uh, we haven't had uh, an assistant coach fire during this era, and it really, it's been a, a minute at Ohio State in general. Uh, Typically, assistants get shuffled off to other jobs, often promotions, coordinator gigs, uh, jobs in the NFL, um, head coaching positions at the FBS or FCS level. But we've already had a, a, a change now with Ohio State's quarterbacks coach leaving for what appears to be a mostly Maybe a slight promotion, but a mostly lateral move, joining Tom Herman in Texas. And that is, of course, Tim Beck, who has been uh, the subject of a lot of ire from Ohio State fans, including from myself, including from some other beat writers. Um, he, he, he's gone. That's opened up a, a new coaching position. Ohio State has hired uh, Ryan Day, former San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks coach and former coach at Boston College. Um, real quick, there's been another reported hire, but I assume you're okay with this with this particular trade, right? Some Christmas gifts come a little bit after Christmas, so yeah, I'm good. The, the, the interesting thing here that I've, I've seen over the last couple of days has been how we try to evaluate or compartmentalize Beck's legacy at Ohio State because on one hand and I, I think this is the most damning you know data of his tenure is uh, Beck was not heavily involved in play calling there's a couple of sporadic interviews that suggested he had some input but he was not the primary play caller and ultimately that responsibility comes down on Urban Meyer but 
he coaches the quarterbacks. And over the last two years, Ohio State's quarterbacks, despite uh, being blessed with an enormous amount of depth, have gotten worse every year. Cardell Jones was not very good when he was a starter. JT Barrett was not that good uh, as a starter. And then uh, in 2015, and this year, he's clearly regressed from 2014. So if we, uh, this I think is, is indisput- indisputable, um, unless you somehow feel differently. And also, if we look back to Nebraska, the other coaching tenure where he came before Ohio State and is being kind of ignored a little bit, I think now, this was also the case. Uh, Taylor Martinez kind of did what he did. He struggled with inefficiency the entire time. He didn't really improve dramatically from where he was as an underclassman. So that's all true. On the other hand, Tim Beck was a really good recruiter. Ohio State's quarterback room right now is loaded. Um, there are, you know, JT Barrett's coming back, which we'll get to here in a minute, but there are three other high four-star quarterbacks and another a five-star coming in uh, right, as of right now for 2018, and that doesn't happen without Beck. Do we, you know, in two years, do we think that we look at, at, and give more heav- heavily uh, praise the recruiting efforts, or will the struggles on the field, you think, offset that and how we remember the, the Beck era? Given what happened last year and how that team came into the season with all of those pieces coming back with Zeke and, and Michael Thomas and Jalen Marshall and Braxton Miller, I think it's fair to put... To, to look back on this era and say that, not that it was a failure, but they at least cost themselves a chance to win one national championship. I think both you and I agree that it wasn't going to happen this year, given, you know, every everybody that they lost in the new faces. So that's fine. This year can just be thrown out. But I think more so last year that quarterback play alone probably cost them a national championship. And I, I think it's fair to pin that on Tim Beck. And it's okay to be somewhere in the middle of to recognize, yeah, it's not all all Tim Beck's fault. That's fine. He was a great recruiter. But as to what you mentioned, the statistics for both Cardale Jones and JT Barrett went down. And we can look at a prior stop that didn't end well in kind of the same vein, maybe not to the degree in the pressure cooker that Ohio State is when you talk about Nebraska, but pretty much the same thing happened there as well. So I lean more to the side of, yes, it probably didn't. I, I won't. I'm, I'm not going to look at the recruiting and just because that's great, put Put more value on that than the field because Ohio State probably should have won the national championship last year and why they didn't is a direct result of a lot of the things that I think Tim Beck did or didn't do. I think I'm probably in the in the same place you know if uh, if Dwayne Haskins ends up winning a national championship for Ohio State in 2019 or something maybe we'll have this will be a different conversation or, or maybe depending on what he does the Texas thing is colored a little bit but if I was a Texas fan I'd be mighty skeptical of this particular hire I don't think Beck is, is trash or anything, but uh, certainly not. Uh, I, this has, I think, been the worst assistant hire um, for Urban Meyer. And it's fair to be somewhere in the middle, uh, to to your point, to look at the recruiting and say it's been fantastic, but also look at the coaching and say, well, with that talent, you haven't really been able to develop it. So it can fall somewhere in the middle, too, I think. Uh, actually, that's not true. Um, he's either good or he's trash. Yeah, as, as most yeah, things like that, are. Yeah, that's how, that's how we discuss uh, things on Twitter.com. So I, I, I don't know about you. I don't really have a super strong opinion about Ryan Day. I uh, am not really an NFL fan. Uh, I know the 49ers sucked. I know the quarterbacks sucked a little bit less. Uh, he did very good things at Boston College. Other people have said nice things about him. You know, I'm willing to be excited about that. But but the that's not the big story here. 
for the the coaching change. And that, of course, is a hire that's not yet official, but it, it's been reported by Bruce Feldman. It's something that we at, at you know at Land Grant have known has been in the works for about three weeks. Um, there's been a lot of rumors on Twitter about this. You know, there's it, it's it's going to happen. The, the question is going to be how the roles work or anything. And that is Ohio State's hire of former Indiana head coach Kevin Wilson and former Oklahoma offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson as a uh, offensive coordinator, offensive assistant. Whether that's a corp- calling plays as a coordinator, whether that's a tight ends coach, whether that's a, you know we, we don't know how it's going to work with Ed Warner uh, or, or Zach Smith or, or some of these other players. But Kevin Wilson is coming to Ohio State, and I don't want to get too into the weeds about you know is he a good coach or not because I feel like that's kind of beyond dispute. Like no shit, he's a good football coach. He's the most successful Indiana football coach since I've been old enough to remember Indiana football. I know it's a low bar, but you know, back-to-back bowl bids isn't nothing. He's made Indiana exciting and fun and have nearly beaten Ohio State multiple times. He was a, a, one of the best uh, assistant coaches in college football when he was at Oklahoma. The, the question is, Indiana fired this guy. And you don't fire the most successful football coach of your last, I don't know, 20 years without a really good reason. And and a, a bunch of that was regarding alleged mistreatment of players. Uh, and also, you know, if we could be frank, the fact that he's kind of a dick. So do you, how, how comfortable are you with this particular coaching hire? I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle because... Uh, you referenced it. The guy, the guy's a spectacular coach, and what his track record has been at Indiana is pre- pretty much indisputable. But at the same time, too, like you're saying, you you don't just leave a job like that or or unceremoniously get let go, or both parties mutually agreed to split ways over quote philosophical differences. So I think. I'm personally just, I'm a little uncomfortable with it because, you know, it, it always comes back to the kids. And I know that there's still a large group of people out there that, um, it's, for lack of a better term, not to think that, you know, tough love is the best way to go, but especially in football, that you're going to have to instill those type of values in your players. And I'm not going to speak for you. I, I think that's total bullshit. I think it's wrong. And it definitely does make me to a certain level uncomfortable and I hope at the very least that if this does happens and he's introduced that the Buckeye press they they do their jobs as journalists and they ask Urban Meyer you know how much thought he put into this whether he's okay with that whether he's talked to Kevin Wilson about that because I do think that it's a thing and just like we talked about with Tim Beck I think it's okay to be in the middle of this to be uncomfortable and also excited for what's to come on the football field but given what we've seen in places like Baylor and Penn State that's a pretty thin line and at the end of the day you have to do what's best for people so if they've had that discussion and they say hey Kevin you know there's a way that we do discipline here at Ohio State you would hope that that's the thing but I definitely think that it's a thing that needs to be addressed by this coaching staff when it officially comes through. That is is what I'm hoping to hear the most. I, you know, in, in this introductory press conference, I, ideally from Gene Smith, but but from Urban Meyer, I think would would, would also be beneficial to talk, to talk about safeguards or you know why they feel comfortable having Kevin Wilson on the sidelines when Indiana wasn't. Now, I don't think this is a direct corollary to the Tim Beckman situation. 
Um, I, you know, the, 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 the documented player abuse after investigations was, wasn't the same. There were a lot of people who were defending Kevin Wilson afterwards. My guess is that there were a couple of things that were probably borderline, and his own abrasive personality and some other factors may, may have played a role. And when you are an assistant coach, you don't play, have the same role of establishing a, a culture of uh, handling injuries as a head coach does. Uh, Urban Meyer has had some success in taking coaches that have some baggage like Greg Schiano and putting them under his system and having things turn around. So I, I, I understand the argument for why Ohio State would want to do this. I understand the argument for how this could potentially be successful. But it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, too. You know, I, 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 want to, I, I think it's, you know, the, the school can't probably explicitly address everything because of non-disclosure agreements. But you want to hear about, you know, wh- how, why they feel comfortable over Indiana and what they're going to do to, to be able to continue to ensure player safety. And if there's one slip-up, I, I think they absolutely have to let the guy go. And, you know, there are things that you could do, uh, you know, uh, with with Urban Meyer or Gene Smith administratively that maybe you can't do at, at other schools because of the of the the strong safeguards there. Well, and ultimately, I think too the most important thing to start, like we've said, is that they at least address it and that the question is asked. Because I, the last thing I want to hear is them kind of pussyfooting around it and saying, "Well, you know." Kevin's a very respected guy in this industry. He's been around a long time. We've heard the chatter. We felt comfortable with it. I want to hear something concrete that even if they just throw it in people's faces and just say, you know what, we're not worried about that stuff. We we made the hire anyway. We think he's going to win football games. I would rather have that and just have it thrown in my face than to dance around it. But I, I think we're both in agreement. It's something that probably needs, definitely needs to be addressed when the time comes. Yeah, Here, here's hoping it is. Uh, talking about Wilson as an actual football coach, uh, what I'm going to be really interested in, and I, I think I speak for just about every Ohio State fan, is how this is going to relate to the quarterback's room. Because, you know, Barrett's coming back. Barrett, statistically, undeniably one of the greatest quarterbacks in Ohio State history, but also somebody whose confidence appears to be kind of shot, who's gotten worse over the past couple of years. And there's a lot of talent left in that quarterback room. And, and immediately some fans were sent, were either asking, you know, push, hoping Barrett would leave, graduate transfer somewhere else, or have an open quarterback competition. And given how Kevin Wilson has described JT Barrett, I believe the exact quote is he thought he was the best quarterback in college football after a game when he threw under 100 yards. Uh, I think that the chances of, I personally think that the chances of JT Barrett not being the starting quarterback for Ohio State are basically 0%. Um, What do you think Ohio State should do? Do you think this is just Barrett's our guy? Are we going to roll with him? Should there be an open competition? Should you try to situationally lose other use other guys? I've seen that proposal kind of you know brought out from a couple other different writers. What do what do you think is is best here? I have one scorching take on this that kind of explains my position. If JT Barrett is healthy and plays all of the regular season for Ohio State next season, he'll be in New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist, if not winning the Heisman. You look back at 2014 with Tom Herman he was second in the country in passer rating behind Marcus Mariota as a freshman and playing some big time games and that's even after the Virginia Tech game and this year he was 55th in passer rating you talked about confidence and maybe some of the receiver issues and offensive line issues I think maybe not all of those will be solved next year but I do think receiver play will be better I think offensive line play with another year of seasoning for some of these guys especially at right tackle that'll be better 
And I think under a guy to throw Tim Beck under the bus, under under a guy that can actually coach quarterbacks, I think that we're going to see a spectacular senior season from JT Barrett. I'm willing to take that to the bank. So that's that's my hot take on it. I think he's the guy, and I think he's going to have a spectacular season next year. I, w- I want to agree, man. I I I, I do. Like I I think a quarterback competition or. Uh, you know, some kind of package where so like we're going to be committed to using Dwayne Haskins in certain passing down situations, or or we're going to have like a designated thrower or something. I don't like any of that. I th- I think what he needs is an off season to get healthy, to get some very specific tutorage, and uh, and to get his confidence back. Uh, good JT Barrett, and what, what he's demonstrated is that he has the capacity to be highly accurate, to make excellent reads, and to. Uh, distribute the ball very well. Those are all things that Ohio State's offense needs. He doesn't necessarily have to uncork 40-yard touchdown passes. Like, maybe Haskins may be able to do that a little bit better. And that skill set has deteriorated, but I think you have to double down and commit to him, especially given his leadership and what other people within that locker room think of him. And if if he's not right in the head, this team's not going to be successful. Uh, You know, that might mean that that there could be a transfer in the quarterback room if there's going to be one. You know, uh, players don't want to be on the bench that long with so many people coming in like I, I think that that's that's a risk that you have to take and the Buckeyes will feel pretty good about where they are going forward Dwayne Haskins will probably get some time next year because against you know that opener against Indiana or against Army or UNLV Rutgers or Maryland I don't think that they're going to have the same problem they did this year where JT Barrett's out in the third quarter with Ohio State up 30 against Tulsa or they have a 40 point lead and JT Barrett's still out there against Rutgers or against Nebraska because the offense needs work. I think at that point, you're going to see Dwayne Haskins be able to get those reps when Ohio State's up in the third quarter and not have JT Barrett in there still throwing the ball solely for the, the purpose of working on the passing offense because it, it would probably be better anyway. I don't think it could get worse next season, but under these new coaches, I think that you're going to definitely see that improvement and see the passing game take a huge step forward. So that, I think, we, we can kind of close on this. And this was something that we published on Thursday and I think is, is already spurning a lot of conversation. Uh, the, I think that passing game can and will improve, especially given the coaches. And it's going to be funny that, uh, you know, Wilson's first two games, storyline you're probably going to hear about a little bit. First two are against Indiana and Oklahoma, his, 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 uh, his two old teams. I think they'll be pretty motivated to do well. Well, we took a stab at trying to break down what Ohio State's offensive two deep might look like next year. You have a very talented recruiting class coming in. You're not losing too many guys. You're losing, you know, and, you know, we don't know all of the early entrants. Uh, I'm guessing that Curtis Samuel goes to the NFL, but it's possible that he stays. Um, but then you're, you're just losing like one guy. I mean, you're losing Corey Smith and Dontre Wilson, who didn't do uh, you know, a lot uh, for for this season. You're losing Pat Elfline. And basically everybody else comes back and you're bringing in uh, some very highly regarded guys. You're getting Malcolm Pridgen back from um, injury along with a healthy Demi Knox over the course of the season. You know, we're looking at this. There's going to be a lot of upperclassmen or, you know, there's going to be a lot of redshirt sophomores, a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors uh, in, in this too deep. The position group that I think folks are going to be most interested in over the course of this offseason, especially given the struggles during the year, is wide receiver. Who do you think are going to be the two starting wide receivers for next season? I, not that I, I don't think that at least one of them is going to get it, but I hope 
that both of them get it. I think that K.J. Hill, given what he showed in, in some limited time, I know he had some injuries earlier in the season, but there were times he really flashed and most like the first and foremost is Benjamin Victor the the way that he was involved in the offense early in the Clemson game he got that 21 yard in route against you know against pretty tough competition so I, I think that he's he's got the tools he certainly has the size and he's one type of player that Ohio State hasn't really had at that position which is like an actual receiver that can play receiver and not just an H-back so I I think that those two guys are guys that I would really like to see step up and win those jobs and I hope that for their sake if they're good enough to win those jobs that the coaching staff gives them it and and they don't just say well Terry McLaurin's a redshirt junior nor Noah Brown's a redshirt junior and I think that Noah can take some steps as well but if those guys are the two best players regardless of their youth they deserve the playing time especially given how that position group has struggled because I think in terms of just playing that true receiver position those are probably your two best guys right now and I think guys like Austin Mack and Trevon Grimes depending on how he comes back from that ACL those are guys that could push Brown Campbell and McLaurin as well I don't entirely disagree. I, I think just get based on the precedent that we've seen from Urban Meyer and Ohio State these past couple of years, it's hard to beat somebody out who already has a job. Uh, they're, they're, you know, especially if you're an underclassman. My guess is that Noah Brown in the beginning just hangs on to like the wideout X position, and I, I like either Ben Victor or KJ Hill to start and get, grab the other one. But I imagine Brown, Hill, and Victor are all going to play. I imagine Paris Campbell's going to play, and then yeah, either Austin Mack or Grimes get in that conversation as well. Maybe maybe Campbell becomes more of a special teams player. Maybe McLaren falls out of that that rotation. I would also expect to I think see some transfers within this group. There's going to be a bunch of guys that are going to need are going to be leaving the program to make room for some of these incoming recruits. The two position groups where I think we're most likely to see that attrition are going to be a wide receiver and an offensive line because there's there's kids that are being rooted over right now and are pretty clearly uh, not going to be able to play. But, I, you know, if someone wants to really talk me into Victor and Hill or, or um, you know, Grimes, I'm, I'm, I'm here to listen. Like, you know, it's, it's good that you have a bunch of options here. It also, it's pretty clear that the 2013-14 kind of, you know, group didn't really work out uh, unless, except for the ones that are in the NFL. And, and so some, some changes here are going to happen. Have to be made. One thing that I want to bring up that we probably won't talk a lot about during the offseason and is not going to get a lot of attention is is Mike Weber. And I think he's going to be a guy that's poised to have a huge season next year. And in only one year starting, he already rushed for over a thousand yards. And you see a lot, and, and Bill mentions this a lot in his season preview series, that freshman running backs don't often have a high opportunity rate. And for those people that don't know what that is, that's percentage of your carries that go at least five yards. And his was a pretty decent 42.9%. So I think it, for all the consternation about him not being as explosive as Zeke or not being as powerful as Carlos Hyde, he's going to be in his third year in the program next season, and he's already a beast. And I think that he's poised for a huge season next year. And we haven't even gotten into if Samuel leaves. I don't know how much of a drop off from at least a rushing standpoint there's going to be with Demario McCall back there because his time was limited. But man, he he's very explosive. And I think that Ohio State's offense, it, it looks like at least from the outside, it has the pieces to be a lot more explosive than this year. And that was their big problem. I'm not I'm not sure what to think. I, I, uh, that's going to be, I think, another fun storyline. Like, obviously, Weber is going to be the starter, but 
how how many carries he gets, how many he splits with McCall, how many he splits with Williams, how many he splits splits with Samuel if he comes back. I don't think that's necessarily entirely clear. It, it, it would be preferable to me if if you know there are more running back carries available because Barrett was rushing less, and that was kind of the case at the beginning of the year. But we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to see. This is gonna be a different Ohio State offense, I think, than we're used to. Um, we'll get to the defense more on a later episode. You know, during this conversation, you know, we, we it's, it was it was announced some some breaking news that you guys will already have already all know about Tyquan Lewis is coming back for his his fifth year which is uh, a bit of a surprise he was somebody I think would have would have definitely been picked in the NFL he was the defensive lineman of the year within the Big Ten so um, even if there's going to be some question marks on Ohio State's offense as they you know switch to a new system defense still gonna be pretty nasty yeah, Jalen Holmes back as well. And then even with those guys leaving in the secondary, uh, you already have a bunch of talent there. And even given that they replaced everybody from last year's secondary and how good they were, plus all of the recruits coming in and all of the talented blue chip recruits coming in for that secondary and what Kerry Coombs has been able to do. Matt, I know you and I were pretty lukewarm on on this team's national championship aspirations this season as the offseason goes on we'll probably get more into this but you know i I think that a a run next season is definitely in the cards i'm all in on this team for next season i know it's it's not even damn near mid-january but i I feel like this season was a really positive step for them to take even with the way that it ended and i think given the the coaching changes and the players that are kind of filtering back in and what they already have i I think that they're definitely headed in the right direction to to be back and go further than what they did this season i need some more time to think about that too like i've kind of gone back and forth a little bit about um like i I think about six weeks ago i was all in like no ohio state man it's gonna be like a preseason like number three team you know this 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 could be the year then i'm like oh they're replacing their whole secondary again and some coaches things and going back and forth i I think i'm leaning leaning towards buying back in again but I'll give me another week, I think, before I'm ready to give something a little bit more definitive. And the days coming after this podcast, we are going to have a look back at our dumbass predictions over the course of the 2016 season. We will be getting you ready for National Signing Day, which is now less than a month away. By the time you're listening to this podcast, Ohio State will probably have one, potentially two, more elite recruits coming in. And we'll talk about how this class is projected to finish. Big targets for 2018, where things are going to go with the rest of the Big Ten, uh, as well as Ohio State basketball basketball which is still happening um <laughs> uh this has been the hang on the holy land everybody thank you for listening again uh, we can be found on twitter at land grant 33 or on facebook we are uh you can email me anytime matt.brown at sbnation.com questions comments uh critiques uh, you, you want to make fun of my stuttering it's, it's all okay. I'm a grown-up. I can take it. Uh, if you send me a question, I will answer it on the air. And uh, Colton, where else can you find this particular podcast? You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud as well. SoundCloud slash Land Grant Holy Land. You can download there. You can leave comments like there. You can listen from your tablet, iPhone, computer, whatever you want to do. So we are everywhere. All right. Well, you know, you find us, say something nice about us. Uh, or if you only have mean things to say, then uh, then, put, then please bite your tongue. Remember what your mama told you. And uh, we will get back to you then in a couple of days. In the meantime, thanks for listening and go Bucks.